Today's podcast and the following message is sponsored by ICMA Coaching. Mark your calendar for ICMA's free 2018 coaching webinars. This is every local government management professional's opportunity to build a common knowledge base, spark new ideas and solutions to community-specific problems, and foster motivated change throughout their organization and community. Learn more and sign up by visiting us at icma.org coaching. Welcome to United Front, a special season of ICMA's Local Gov Life. I'm your host, Erica White. This season, we're celebrating women. Women who have not only earned the respect and recognition of their peers by achieving the role of Chief Administrative Officer, but also women who have been selected as their community's first female manager. Follow along with us as we celebrate the triumphs and contributions of six women CAOs who are breaking down many of the barriers they contend with in today's local government profession. My guest today is Dana Muscott, City Manager of Bay City, Michigan. Dana, thank you so much for being on United Front. Oh, no problem. I appreciate the offer. Let's start by getting to know you a little better. What inspired you to get into local government and how did you get to where you are today? I've always been in local government. And I went to uh, Saginaw Valley State University for three years. And during that time, I was, well, I was not quite 20. And there was a job opening at a local township where my family lived in Saginaw Township. So that was my first taste of local government. And it was in the clerk's office. And obviously, the clerk's office serves, you know, the citizens. That's where everybody goes. And so I kind of liked that role. And so I think I decided probably about five or six years into that job that I wanted to stay in government. Didn't know that I was going to end up as a city manager. But I think what really inspires me is being able to help people. And at the end of the day, when you can walk out of your office and know that, you know, you help somebody with their trash issues. I know that sounds minimal, but I think something like, you know, a neighborhood dispute or something like that, something that you did during the day that made a difference. So, you know, that really inspires me every day, actually, to come in. What are some of the things that make you excited about the profession on a day-to-day basis? I love coming in and being part of our city family. You know, I've been here at the city for, it's a little bit more than 18 years now, and we are truly a family. And a lot of people who have worked here have worked here longer than I have. I have gotten to know all of them, even though they're not here at City Hall. But You know, it makes me excited that they're all doing such a great job and and I stand behind them on what they're doing. And and they know that they know that I came up through the ranks and understand kind of where they're coming from sometimes. But I think just coming in and being part of our city family really inspires me to come in every single day. We were doing some research on your background, and it seems you have some unconventional pathway (laughs) that you did get some criticism about your education credentials and your professional experience. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, Was it challenging for you? How did you respond to it as you moved up in the profession? You know, it really didn't come into play until I was looking actively at taking the city manager position. Like I said, I started out in the clerk's office as a secretary, and then I moved up to deputy clerk Um, a township clerk. And then I came to the city of Bay City as the city clerk. And then I moved into the deputy city manager role. And then that's where I started to see myself grow a little bit more and want to eventually one day be a city manager. When people started talking about my education credentials, it really didn't bother me at all because it was a choice that I made in my life early on. I went to college 
and I found my husband. We were dating very early on in my life and family became something that was very important to me. And so obviously I chose my family over going to school and I, and I never have regretted that to this day. I've always been truthful about it. I'm not embarrassed about it. I've continued my education throughout all of these years. I got my certified public manager credentials through our local university here that, that does that for the state of Michigan. And I've always responded to people with dignity about it. It's not something that I'm embarrassed about, so it's okay. But people have to understand that, you know, I have a lot of experience. I have grown up with a lot of managers and seen how they have worked. And I've continued going to seminars and classes. And like I said, I went to Saginaw Valley to do my certified public manager class. What's really important for people to know is, obviously, I don't knock education. I have two boys that are in school. I have one in grad school right now and one in undergrad. So that is very important in their lives. And we've been, you know, my husband and I really encouraged them to finish their schooling. How have those educational experiences and the different levels that you've worked within the community prepared you for the top spot of CAO? I think because I went through all those positions, it keeps me grounded. Like I said, I started right from the bottom. And so I I understand where some of our employees are coming from sometimes when they come to me with their issues. And I help them when when it's needed. It's nothing for me to maybe even go and you know, wait on the counter when I was in the clerk's office when I was the deputy city manager. It didn't bother me to come out and interact with people where some people, some managers, they don't want to do that, where I like to do that. I like going out into the workspaces of our employees. I like to stop into their offices and, and they know that about me. They know my door is always open. And if I do step in their office, they have no problem letting me know if they're having issues throughout their day. I think growing up in this profession, as I call it, I learned from watching and I learned from some managers that allowed me to participate in some things that, you know, I probably wouldn't have had that opportunity otherwise. So there was, you know, a couple of managers that I grew up under that had the faith in me and allowed me to grow in that position. Who were some of those, those mentors and managers? And what were some of the things that they said to you that encouraged you to go forward? You know, when I started in Saginaw Township, there was a manager there, Ron Lee. He actually encouraged me to apply for the job here in the city of Bay City. And I had been with Saginaw Township for 11 years. That was really important to me that he really actually had faith in me that I could, you know, move on. He actually helped me with like negotiations and my contract when I came over. And then when I did come here, there was a manager that came on a couple years after I had been here that took that leap of faith in me and promoted me to his deputy city manager. And I was over administrative services at that time. So, you know, I was over the employees. That was Mr. Bellman. It was really him who put me in that spot to see that I had the potential to keep moving. It sounds like you're a very hands-on city manager, very engaged with the people and your staff, very engaged with the people in your jurisdiction. How does that change or influence how you do your job on a daily basis? Well, you know, I really think that's the only way you're going to have a pulse on what's going on in your community and in your uh, workplace, too. I like doing that. I think if I went home at the end of the day not knowing what was going on um, in our community and in our workforce, I I wasn't doing my job. 
they need to do that. You really do need to step out of your box and step out of your office and find out what's going on because everybody does need to have a voice within your organization and out in your community. What do you think is the current state of work-life balance within the local government profession for women? You have to consider all the things that compete for your time, right? You have to think about everything that is out there and decide what to keep in your life and what to discard. I think you need to have good communication with your coworkers and your board so you know and they know what's important to you and you know what what events you need to be at and when you need to be at certain meetings and things like that. At some point also I think you learn how to say no and I know that's an awful thing you think but it's okay sometimes to decline you know, maybe a committee appointment or maybe for that PTA group at school, it's okay to say no. And you just need to focus on those activities that bring you joy instead of, you know, worrying that you need to be on every single committee in the community and on every single group for your children. I had to learn early on that I had to fight the guilt off. I had to learn that I just couldn't be superwoman, right? So, you know, real people cannot devote 100% to everything they do. There were points in my life where I couldn't be at that soccer game or that baseball game or basketball game. In the beginning, it bothered me. But then I learned that, you know, if I had those talks with my children and they understood and I was there any other time that I could, my parents and my husband were always there filming it or even FaceTiming me if I was out of town. Early on, you got to learn that you just can't be superwoman. And then the last thing I think that balance is... Sometimes you need to protect that private time. Um, You need to have a pocket of your own personal time or else you're going to get burned out. Maybe just having that dinner on the weekend with your husband alone, just, you know, just have that one or two hours that it's just between the two of you. It's important to have that private time. A lot of women worry that having children will derail their careers. What advice do you have for them? I don't think that it'll ever derail them of going all the way to the top. I've always tried to set an example for my boys to show that, you know, I can raise a family and I can work at the job that I work at right now. Raising a family is one of the most difficult things that you'll have to do, right? It's really hard work and you have to work at it as a family. My husband and I talked about it, you know, early on about raising a family and the profession that I was going in. I wouldn't change a thing for what I did for my children and I actually think that um, that's a good lesson for them because both of my boys work extremely hard. I mean, I've seen them hold down two or three jobs while they're going to school full time and they're on sports and they just don't have any downtime. So I see that if you're an example to them, they're going to fulfill their life and do good things going forward too. Has this approach to work-life balance influenced how other employees in your jurisdiction approach their own needs for work-life balance, especially the men? I see it here at the organization. Sometimes I'm the only woman at the table in, in all of the directors underneath me at one point or another have all been men. And over the years, I've kind of seen that kind of shift a little bit where they're coming to me now And I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, they'll come to me and say, hey, I want to take the afternoon off because I got to take my son or my daughter to the doctor. And I didn't see that before when they were reporting to a man manager. So it's almost like I've put it out there that it's okay if you need to go to something because you're not going to have that second chance, right? If they have something, they're getting an award at school. So I think the men in our organization um, have 
come to realize that it's important for them because most of them come from a two-person working family. How does being a mom affect your management style at work? (laughs) That's an interesting question. The transition is hard sometimes. I feel like some of the younger employees here, I feel like I, I take them on as my own children sometimes, just in the mentoring role. And I, I don't see any of them pulling back from that. But having all the employees under you, you, you feel like the mother to them. But it's interesting just to, to leave your house. You're right. And you're doing all these things as a mother. And then you come in as the head of your organization. But I think that helps sometimes because at home, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing the same thing. So it's kind of like one and the same. And how do you prioritize your own self-care with all of these people to manage and this giant organization to lead? <laughs> I do um, give myself some private time. Um, trust me, I do have my spa moments. Um, I'm blessed to be able to do that sometimes. Um, I do take time out and, um, you know, I'll, I'll stop over. We have actually... Uh, health club right next door to city hall. So it's easy for me if I have time at lunchtime to run over and it, it takes the stress out of the day, right? You're able to walk away and do that. For sure. Um, I've also started to be honest with you and I'm 49 years old and this is the first time in my life that I've actually started a program to take care of like my inner core and with clean eating. It's really making me take a look a little bit of how to take care of myself because I need to be there for, you know, my future grandbabies. That's all I keep thinking about like that going ahead. So, so yeah, it's, it's hard, but you need to take that time out for yourself. Has being your city's first female city manager come with any obstacles that you think may not have been there for your male counterparts? It never even came to me thinking about me being the first woman. The day after I was appointed, our press came to me and said, you know, we did some research and you're the first woman. And then the days following that, you know, there were some social media comments about a woman in office, you know, a woman leading our city you know, I have confidence in myself. So I try to ignore those type of comments um, because some of those can be hurtful. And I do realize that they probably wouldn't say those obviously to a man. The wages here for city manager, we're always low on the spectrum from comparing to town or cities our size. It was time, you know, for me to be appointed and they were speaking to me about wages. And I went in with the wage that the manager left on. So I didn't start myself any lower, regardless of my education background. I thought if I can do the exact same job that the person, the man that just left this office, I should be compensated for the same. So I went in with that amount and they never blinked. So I think you need to be confident in yourself and, you know, step outside that comfort zone a little bit and don't be afraid to ask. What do you think is the most significant barrier to female leadership in the profession? You know, I think sometimes that people think that women are soft. And when I say soft, I think that they think they're not tough enough when it comes to maybe being in negotiations at the table for certain things. I think that people look at women too sometimes that they have their family responsibilities to attend to and they won't be able to give 100% to their profession which of course, as you can tell, I don't believe any of that is true. But I do know sometimes when I do step into a meeting, um, maybe with a new organization, I can feel that people in the room try and, and, and I don't want to say exert themselves a little bit, trying to be tough, but they don't expect what's coming back out of a woman's mouth. And, and you know, it's, it's about being respectful and understanding that you know, you can walk out of the room at the end of the day with a solution, but everybody needs to be respectful of everybody regardless of their gender. 
we often talk about women getting involved in the conversation about growing the profession and growing females in the profession. But how would you envision men getting in on this conversation and also supporting and mentoring women to take on the top roles? I can look back at myself um, and it was men all along that have been pushing me in my profession. I had men managers when I was at Segna Township and also here at the City of Bay City. And there was other directors that were all men. They were my um, subordinates. And, you know, through the years, they've all been very supportive of me getting to my goal because they were all pretty much aware that at one point I was going to reach out and either want to be the manager here at the City Bay City or somewhere else in Michigan or outside of Michigan. And I have my family as well. My husband and my children are both boys. So I have a lot of men in my life. And they've been extremely supportive. My children have grown up in the government world and very supportive of everything that I've always wanted to do. And we've always talked about that as a family, where I was going to end up someday. What was the best advice you ever got from a mentor? It's one that I remember all the time. And it was from a manager, actually. And he always said that I needed to lead by example. And we were big on ethics. You know, we always wanted to be that role model for our employees in this organization. And when I say that, we have a lot of employees over the last few years that have worked their way up from the bottom just like I did. And I think when they saw that I came from the bottom, um, and when I say the bottom, I started out at the entry level position at Saginaw Township and worked my way up. And there are so many people here at Bay City that have done the same in the last couple months even. And we've promoted people to director positions that have come forward to me and said, you know, I appreciate being able to be in this position because I started out as a sanitation worker. And now I'm a director over DPW. I think that is the whole lead by example thing, just to keep pushing forward and be a good role model for all of these people in our organization. And it falls into our family life, too, where you're a good role model for your children and they're going to continue to do what's best as well and and grow in themselves. What advice would you give to a young woman just starting out either in the profession itself or just embarking on her first leadership role? Have a goal in mind, whether you share it when you're young uh, or keep it to yourself and just keep charging forward. But always have that goal in mind where you want to end up. And and no isn't an answer, right? You got to look outside that answer no and, and keep going forward. You might go sideways for a while, but there's always an opportunity to go forward. I think you need to network a lot. And when I say that, I learned that networking with our other managers in our state of Michigan, we have a very good group here, the Michigan Municipal Executives, that we, you know, we have conferences through the year, we have listservs that we all communicate on. I think networking is really important because there isn't a day that goes by that we're all, you know, putting questions out there on our listserv that really impacts what we're doing in all of our municipalities. So it's nice to have that. And then I also think um, young women need to self-promote themselves. Don't ever play yourself down. I think you need to put yourself out there and, and jump out of that box a few times and not be afraid to try something new. What do you think will be the biggest challenge for this generation of women just coming up now? Social media sometimes, I think. There's pros and cons to that. A lot of it uh, stops people or these younger generation from actually being social. Um, Instead of picking up the phone and talking to people, they would rather text or email. 
you know, and I do that too. I, I'm all up on technology and, and we do do that. But I think sometimes they're afraid to speak to people. I think they need to use the technology to their advantage. Um, obviously, we have so many things that we can embark on with the new technology, but really they need to be careful on not being the social and, and talking to people, you know, face to face. I think that's huge. You learn more about a person when you're sitting across the table from them because you're not trying to figure out what they said in an email, right? You can say so many things in an email and they might take it differently. You can use it to your advantage sometimes, but just be careful with it. How can women looking for mentors find mentors? And how can women who may be shy or uncomfortable with approaching a stranger and asking for them make that ask for the mentorship? The Michigan Municipal Executives, at all of our get-togethers, we have coaching sessions and they're being coached by seasoned um, managers. And so they always set time up at these institutes for our um, younger managers or maybe just the new managers coming. And I guess it doesn't have to be the, the younger ones. You can still go in there and be coached by somebody that's been in the profession for a long time. So if you have issues, you just take that issue into one of the coaches at our institute. And um, if they don't have the answer, they put it out for everybody to help you with that. So I just just not to be afraid, um, but I think the coaching is really important. I have one last question for you. ICMA is celebrating women using this podcast and a number of other initiatives. And right now we're asking people to use the hashtag SheLeadsGov and tell us who they think the groundbreaking women are in the local government profession. Who are some of those women to you? There was one thing that always stuck in my head, and and she wasn't at the local level. She was at the federal level, and that was Condoleezza Rice um, when she was the Secretary of State. And she had said something about her parents had always raised her to believe that she was going to be the president of the United States. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what great leadership from her parents to raise her like that. But she always had that aspiration that she could be anything that she wanted to be. I think that um, young women with the support of their their parents, which I have always had, I have wonderful parents, and with you know a partner um, like I have in my husband, that you can be what you want to be. And she had that feeling as a little girl that she could be president of the United States, which is just phenomenal, right? I mean, that's just such a goal for her to want or to even have, even if she doesn't get up to that point. But she was our secretary of state for the United States. So what a wonderful thing for her. Thank you again for being with us today. We're so grateful that you had the time to speak with us. I'm thankful when I walk into the city hall every single day. And you know, and every day I'm acquiring new skills. I don't ever come across to people like I know it all. I like to learn still. I, I'm still stepping outside my comfort zone and, you know, trying to learn new things. But I think that I, I'm adapting to my role and um, enjoying every single minute of it. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Dana for her time and insights. After you hear each of the stories in United Front this season, join the conversation on social media. Look for the hashtag and Twitter handle SheLeadsGov and use it to share stories about the groundbreaking women in local government that you know. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and catch up on all the seasons of Local Gov Life at icma.org slash podcasts. Also, Please share on social media and tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening to United Front, a special season of ICMA's Local Gov Life.